everybody, and welcome to the Wasatch Report. This is episode 29. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson is with me. Joining us today is Joe Payne from CalPAC Citizens for America Liberation. We're going to talk about California's secession movement. This is not a new topic for the show, but it might be new to some of the other uh, folks that have just uh, started following us. And about a week ago on my personal Facebook page, I think also on the Wasatch Report radio show, I asked people with regards to the upcoming election, for those of you that say that you're going to be voting for the lesser of two evils, because that's really the only thing that makes sense to you, I asked how much evil are you willing to tolerate? One of the spinoffs from that topic was... Our good friend Carl Jones had mentioned that if Donald Trump is reelected, it will once again push California into continuing discussions of secession, which, as we do know, predated the Trump administration. But we will be getting into that. I want to remind you, you can follow us on Facebook, Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show, Polita Prep podcasts, which also has a fan page by that name as well. And if you're interested in learning about preparedness, self-reliance, homesteading, outdoor survival skills, check out my other page and podcast, The Red Hot Chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y Prepper, The Red Hot Chili Prepper. Also, for those that are not listening live, you can find us on Anchor FM. Please, when you find your platform of choice, like, share, rate that app. You can also support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. SuzanneCSherman.com is our website that we use also. And uh, we have a page suggested reading, and I would like you to go there. I did pin some links up. I don't know if they're appearing or not, but we'll add those uh, again once once uh, we get this going. We had a little bit of a change around. Jeff wasn't able to broadcast live, so I put the broadcast video together. But anyway, so that's where we are on that. So we'd appreciate any support you guys can give us as well. That being said, Joe, welcome to the show. Joe Payne. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. We're, we're delighted to tell us a little bit about what you're doing out there in California. When I now I lived there in tw- until 2013, and even when I lived in California, there was talk about splitting the state up, going back pretty far ways. It was uh, because of the water issues, northern and southern California. The northerners felt that you know the southern California folks down in LA were were wasting precious resources, hosing off their driveways and and uh, just not using the water in a manner that the people that were sacrificing in the North felt was appropriate. Now we're seeing all sorts of other uh, topics of splitting it up. But what we're going to focus on today is California's, uh, the discussion that you are having of secession, actually leaving this union. Tell, tell us a little bit about the organization. Yes. Yeah, so I'm with CalPAC. We are a political action committee that just started. My wife and I started it, actually. We are coming out of the California Independence Movement, which has been around for a while. There's several organizations. Yes, California, Independent California, California National Party are all organizations of that. And uh, we're just happy, honored to be part of it. Well, we're delighted to have you here. There's a book I want to refer you to. And by the way, we're not going to be discussing the social policies that have contributed to the division that we're experiencing today. Uh, We're going to take a couple minutes, though, and address for those that are new the legitimacy, the legality, the constitutional history of secession. Oftentimes, when we have that conversation, you get, uh, well, Lincoln settled that or Texas v. White settled that. Secession's not possible. It's not legal. It's not in the Constitution. We're going to address that. There's a book I want to refer you to also, Rethinking the American Union for the 
21st century. One of the things Don Livingston says when he was referring to a 2010 uh, symposium on secession and nullification was they had scholars from cross ideological spectrum from left to right. <clears throat> he says here, they examined the modern paradigm of centralization that has led to the creation of vast scale unitary states and the consequences and the consequent loss of a human scale in the political association. And that really is as a very eloquent way of, of continuing this, this question of taxation without representation. But before we get into that, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about the history. I'm going to turn this over to you about nullification, or I'm sorry, about secession and nullification, actually, so we can put that to bed and then go on with the discussion of the practicality of the movement itself. If you out there have not read Is Davis a Traitor or Was Secession a Constitutional Right Previous to the War of 1861?, and, and and now in reality, that's kind of an odd addendum to the to the title because in his book he even makes the point that it's not a constitutional right because it's not included in the constitution. That's the point I'm going to make right now. I'm going to read that section. It is frequently asked by the opponents of secession, where is the right of a state to withdraw from the union set forth or contained in the constitution? But this question betrays a great ignorance with respect to the origin of state rights. These rights are not derived from the Constitution at all. On the contrary, all the rights, powers, and authorities of the Constitution are derived from the states. So when you read Bledsoe, what he, he sets, oh, I'm going to say probably a better part of a third of this book, he sets down why the constitution was created. It was created to set up a form of government and the states are the parties to the contract. He calls it a compact in here. It's often referred to as a compact by the found, uh, framers. It's a contract between the states setting up a form of government that's going to act as an agent. And so what he's saying here is that this the federal government was set up by the states. And he goes on to say, all the rights not delegated to the federal government by the states are reserved to the states themselves. So he goes right back to the 10th Amendment and makes the point that because the Constitution is silent on it, that means the 10th the Amendment applies. Every time there's not something in the Constitution, the 10th Amendment applies. Let's see, I'm trying to think of something here that's not going to be a point of contention between uh, uh, our guest and us tonight because, uh, you know, we there's a lot of things that the Constitution does today that are not part of the Constitution. Uh, you name a myriad of things, and I'm just going to throw this one out there. You look at Social Security. Social Security is not part of the Constitution. It was never delegated to the federal government, but we have Social Security. Why? Because they just do whatever they want. This goes all the way back to Washington. We can well, we have numerous times said that you go all the way back to Washington, sending troops into Pennsylvania unconstitutionally to put down a tax protest. A few years earlier, we were throwing tea in the harbor in the protest, but here we are now Washington sending troops in to put down a tax protest. Bledsoe is very careful to say that the Constitution is set up by the states. The government, federal government is a agent of the states and not a ruler of the states. If you continue to read this section, he goes on to talk about the government trying to rule the states, and that's why the Constitution didn't give them that power. It was, you know, if you go back to the Philadelphia Convention, Suzanne, you can touch on this more. Go back to the Philadelphia Convention. Every time they tried to make a federal government that had a veto over the states, it was defeated. 
which is what we have now. It was defeated at the Philadelphia con convention. I mean, just overwhelmingly rejected before it was even sent to ratification was a legislative veto over the states and negative. So if the, if Congress did not like one of the state laws, they could override that. That was rejected. But what we have now is in practice, the same thing, only it's been done vis-a-vis uh, -vis the federal judiciary, which is usurping, again, the sovereign powers of the people of California. And we'll get into that a little bit. But I just want to uh, mention now, um, Bledsoe was going to be the attorney. He was, a, he was the attorney that was going to represent Jefferson Davis. And here is why. And our good friend Carl Jones told me this when I was, you know, a big Lincoln lover saying he saved the union and the states couldn't have left. He said, why do you think? Jefferson Davis was never charged. Why did they let him go? Because had he been charged at his trial, the legality of secession would have come to light. And here's what happened. There were several states that reserved the right. It was, I believe, Rhode Island, New York, and Virginia, who said, we're a little bit, we have a little bit of trepidation about this new uh, form of government you're creating. What if we decide we want to leave if it no longer suits us? And that reservation was accepted. Now, because of the equal footing doctrine, that reservation, that right to secede, to leave, if this no longer worked for them, applied to all the states. So there we have it right now. That became a part of the Constitution. You look to the ratification records. Absent an Article 5 convention ratified by three-fourths of the state saying secession is illegal, and a constitutional amendment prohibiting it, secession remains legal. So we're going to put that one to bed right now. What has been the primary moving factor for those folks in California that have had it with the federal government? Is it simply the election of Donald Trump or does it precede his uh, ascendancy to the Oval Office? Yeah, no, we see Trump as really a symptom of a larger, um, I don't want to say problem because we don't, I don't want to put it that way. but it's just a, it's a larger issue. This has been around for a long time. I think conservatism in America has really um, taken America from where it was, I remember, in the 80s to where we are now. It's a different different type of, of conservatism than it was back then. Explain um, that. That was, well, I mean, I remember Ronald Reagan. I grew up when Ronald Reagan was, uh, was the president. And, you know, I grew up conservative. So I loved Ronald Reagan back then. Now, I'm not a conservative now, but I loved Ronald Reagan back then. I was a little kid, and I remember talking about with family about uh, him and the things that he was doing. And um, I just think that Donald Trump, the way that he is now, or the, the, the polarizing America that we have now, is not because of Donald Trump. I think that Donald Trump is there because of the polarizing that America's gone through. And how has conservatism polarized America in your point of view? I mean, do you think, do you think the opposing view of the left, that the, the two have so much diametrically opposed views that that is it, or, or are you putting it solely in the lap of conservatism? No, I'm putting it on both sides. Okay. I think that uh, on the, on the right, Donald Trump is a symptom of what conservatism has become on the left take, uh, like, let's say uh, Kamala Harris, for example, she's running for vice president. So take someone like that. I think that she has come from the polarizing of the left. It's the same, uh, or different sides of the same coin. You know, I just want, I said I wasn't going to get into all the political stuff, but I do have to ask, what is it that 
the the lefty the leftists in, in California think about the decision to run with Kamala Harris. We know her treatment of minorities in California as the attorney general. We know what absolutely awful, god-awful things she did. I mean, I was a criminal defense attorney. I just found her behavior reprehensible. My point is, what was your reaction when she was chosen? Do you feel that that's an adequate representation of California values? No, absolutely not. I think California hands down showed that we want someone like Bernie Sanders. And we feel like he he's the Ron Paul, he's the wrong he's they're doing to him what they did to Ron Paul and I think that the left movement does really want Bernie Sanders I'm sorry continue yeah no it's uh it's that exactly that we we feel like the DNC doesn't care what California wants that we are just a cash cow for that political party can I jump in there's one thing about this show we hold water for no party we, right we don't Republicans, Democrats, we don't care. And I'm, I'm going to say, if you read any of my posts, you will find a thousand times I said Republicans and Democrats, two sides of the same Marxist coin. I'm, I'm not going to get into what Marxism and all that stuff, but they, they're this two sides of the same coin. There may be two parties, but in the end, they, they both have the same goal, and that is to consolidate more and more power and more and more wealth in Washington, D.C. They don't care about whether me in Pennsylvania, you and Suzanne in Utah, or you, Joe, in California, they don't care about us. All they want to do is suck up as much of our wealth and put it in Washington, D.C. and enrich themselves and take as much liberty and freedoms as we, they can from us and make themselves more powerful. So it's about power and wealth in Washington. It has nothing to do with Republican, Democrat. That's just a smokescreen. And the other thing you'll find that you'll, uh, that I post You'll see, uh, you'll see a lot. Voting is the illusion of choice. No matter who wins, you get more government. So you raised an issue about economics. And I've seen this before on a lot of, because I read a lot of the posts from the Cal, Cal Exit Movement, Yes, California, and uh, Marcus Ruiz Evans, who we're going to try and get on here again soon, uh, had a video. And one of the points that was mentioned in this conference for every dollar that California sends to Washington, D.C., they get 68 cents back. They feel that they are funding much of this federal government that they feel does not represent them, does not care about their interests. Interestingly, this was very much the point of the Confederated States of America. And I wonder if that's kind of a conundrum because we know that institutions like the Southern Poverty Law uh, Center like to uh, absolutely eviscerate those that have put forth the right to have decentralized governments and the right to leave the union. So what I really do think is this one point that was one of contention and divisiveness can actually bring the two sides together for this limited purpose. And from then we can move on and have peaceful relations. So this whole thing with the 68 cents on the dollar, yes, you alluded to the fact that California is a cash cow. Uh, it sounds to me like taxation without representation. I'll, I'll share a sentence that might that might resonate with a few folks that governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Do you feel that you have consented to this, you know, or you still have consent to this form of government that we have now? I think you're making a good point. Uh, no, I don't think that we consent to what we have now. We're Californians feel like we are paying for wars that we don't 
even want to fight. We've got bombs being dropped over in places like Yemen. That we adamantly oppose, but we feel like we're the ones paying for that. Right. Good point. And see, we agree on that. <laughs> we really, I absolutely agree. And this is why I don't like the term uh, Democrat or Republican, liber liberals versus conservatism, uh, because you see a lot of the same progressive characteristics across the board, which is a big overreaching government from the federal level. I want to bring up a, a point that Andrew makes and see if you um, have a comment on here. The issue I have with Yes California is that they feel it's necessary to get congressional permission to secede. Do you agree with that tactic, Joe? Permission? No, I don't think we need their permission, but this is going to take a lot. This is a huge undertaking. This is not something that's going to happen overnight, you know, Lord willing. But we feel like America is at a standstill. And something has to give. We feel like we need to break the political structure here and get, get America back on track and let California go its own way. It's not so much going and asking for permission as it is, I think, all of us sitting down and saying, okay, wait, how do we do this the right way? that's best for the American people, it's best for the Californian people, and, and just going forward, how can we have a trade partnership and a working relationship that's best for everybody? You know, what we're seeing, anybody can do a search on Google and see, you know, queries on civil war. And one of the points Marcus had raised during his speech was if you do a, a search on Google, the statistics, we're seeing a, you know exponential increase in searches on the Civil War and what's happening right now, the upcoming Civil War, another one you know, before this next election, if Donald Trump doesn't hand over the office, if either party accept it, accepts the results of this election, uh, violence is being prognosticated, people are prepping, good luck getting ammo. These are all symptoms of a fundamentally sick, diseased system. And you know what decentralization and breaking away from this does is release it's it's a pressure valve and it gives it gives i i think conservatives need to get on board not with the mentality hey california don't let you know the door hit you in the ass on the way out with the instead understanding california we understand we have irreconcilable differences politically and philosophically with how you want to run your lives and you don't feel represented represented in this system of government how can we help you uh, I think it, it it gives them also a place to call their own and release this pressure that we're seeing going across from state to state. My question for you is, let's say California does become a free, sovereign, independent nation that it was, you know, that it was what it is what right it now, is, what it really is. Yes. And what the states were intended to be when this union was formed. What is that going to look like for the conservatives that are living there? We as conservatives right now are kind of living in a in a cyber community with the people on the far left, and it's not going very well for us. We're censored on social media, Google silencing us, accounts are getting banned. Our opinions don't seem to matter. So if California has their own nation now, what is life going to be like for those that still remain there? We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to let you think about this for a minute or two while we, uh, while we thank our friends over at Anchor FM. 
All right, everybody. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Joining Jeff Johnson and myself today is Joe Payne, who is part of California's secession movement. Before we took our break, we were asking, what is a post-secession California going to look like for the many conservatives that are still remaining there if if this uh, were to come to fruition? I mentioned the fact that the the people on the left don't really seem to very be very tolerant or welcoming of uh, conservative uh, dissension among the ranks is is evident by you know what's happening with censorship and the in social media and that sort of thing. Would life be kind of like trying to live in a real world of Facebook censorship where their businesses are banned if they disagree with um, the progressive policies of California? Well. You know, California is really a miniature version of the United States as a whole. We have our our coastal areas. We have our flyover country. That's where I'm from, the Central Valley. Now, here is where you find the vast majority of the conservatism in California. And people here are very receptive to California being an independent country. And they kind of see that, I think we all see that as something that we give more um, say for the people that are in the local areas, what we want to do is give more local control to the different counties, the different areas in California, instead of just California as a whole. That's one thing that's kind of facing California right now as well as all the polarizing here as well. Do you think there will be a place in the new government for conservatives to have a seat at the table, so to speak? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And- we have to. We have to work together in California. Andrew uh, says that you mentioned a negotiation to separate the tangled nation state mess. Do you have any ideas about the structure of these negotiations? They cross social, fiscal and military entanglements. You know, one of the things I mentioned when people are concerned about the military bases in California and they can't leave because we have military bases in California. So well, we have military bases all over the entire planet. So that alone is not enough to uh, to you know, put this to a screeching halt, but I'll let you address the other issues. Sure. I mean, as far as the military, I can tell you one thing that we have talked about in our movement is that we don't have a need to kick out American military out of California. There's no need. You guys are going to be our biggest trade partner. There is no reason that you would need to leave, let's say, uh, Camp Hilton, for example. That is a place that would be strategic for both of us, for you guys to stay and uh, us both to work together. Yeah. See, that's what I've said all along, that People keep bringing up, well, they can't leave because we have military bases. I said, listen, once they leave, but right now, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. Right now, California is a nation. The 13 colonies ended the war. 13 states signed the treaty with Great Britain. 13 states were created. Today, we have 50 states. What is a state? It's a nation. We have 50 nations that compacted, going back to Bledsoe. This is a word that's very important because if you understand the whole premise of the con contract that was signed between the states, you understand that we they created an agent in now Washington, D.C. to act on their behalf. But today we have the agent ruling the people that created it. And so uh, I want to get back to this. So what happens with these military bases? It's a It's a simple matter of diplomacy. California, the new country of California, gets the whoever it is that's going to be the uh, Secretary of State. They come over and they negotiate some sort of treaty, and it'll be all resolved. It, it, this isn't really that contentious. It's very, very simple. It, it happens every day. We have diplomats all over the world in all 190 whatever state countries there are today, states uh, that are around the world. So 
And after we're done with this discussion, I got to go back because it kind of relates to this. I have to go back and read Dan's question. I told him I'd get back to it, and it'll kind of tie into what we're talking about now. But uh, what is your thought on diplomacy there? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, diplomacy is essential. We, we need to work together, California and America. The problem is that in our current situation, this is not working. We feel like the best idea is to let's have a divorce. And then we can work together. And it's that exactly. It's, it's getting, um, getting your, your diplomats to work together to talk. So it's not un unfeasible. We'll be right back to the discussion right after this about Roxanne, the music provider for the Wasatch Report. <laughs> music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne. Courtesy of Rat Pack Records, Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. You know, also, <clears throat> you mentioned this when you use the term a compact, Jeff, and uh, we mentioned the criminal aspects of why Jefferson Davis was never was never prosecuted from an attorney's point of view with regards to contract law. The appropriate remedy when one party has a material breach of a contract and damages are, are difficult to calculate or impossible to calculate, which I would assume would be the case here, uh, is you go to equitable remedies, which would be rescission of the contract rescission of the compact say we are leaving and technically california needs permission from no one i can see why marcus has that strategy because it would make it more palatable i think to the americans at large to let them think well you know yeah we've all had a say in it and we all agree california really doesn't have to go that route so Again, trying to be optimistic and hope that the people in California that have conservative values will still have a seat at the table. I would assume, you know, one one of the, I think, safety nets they feel they have, which they shouldn't, is the federal judiciary. Um, for instance, I, I'm a gun enthusiast. When I was in California, I was very much opposed to California's firearms laws, but I knew I could not effectuate a change with my vote. So I chose to leave, you know, vote with my feet and leave the state. But a lot of people are rather than than leaving, uh, want to stay and fight. Ultimately, the the loser is federalism. And when federalism loses, everybody across this continental landmass loses. This is why I'm such a, a, a staunch opponent to the incorporation of the Bill of Rights against the states. And California is a prime example of why California needs to be what California needs to be. But here's my question to you. Let's say now California is its own sovereign, independent, seceded state. It is no longer a part of this union. How tolerant will the movers and shakers of this movement be towards, say, you know, a state like Oklahoma that might have, and I'm not saying I agree with any of these policies, but let's say now there is almost like a theocracy. Uh, abortion is banned. There are no gay marriages banned. Uh, there's no welfare. They're shutting the borders to immigration. Could California peacefully coexist, which 
such a state? Or are we going to have bleeding Kansases across this continental landmass when we have conservative states with whom California's people disagree? Are they going to say, let's send people over there, populate, take over the college towns, take over the seats of government and change all of them to our liking? You're saying if California left? If California seceded, would they be happy with that? Or are we going to see a continuation of cultural Marxism across this continental landmass, which is what we're seeing now? Is the California secession ultimately, is or is this snake oil, or are we going to really have some peace? And I'm not putting all the blame on, on the leftist movement and the cultural Marxists in California, because we have a lot of neoconservatives that I find to be equally repugnant. So please don't think I'm taking one side or the other, because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. No, I, uh, I mean, if California secedes, we're going to have to have a passport just to get into your country. So that's going to be hard to, to come in and take over your jobs and everything. I, I will say this. Conservatives, I know, in America are very worried about things like illegal immigration. Meanwhile, let me say this. Californians are coming in. They're moving into your towns. They're taking your jobs. They're outbeating you on housing. They're jacking up your property taxes. And then on top of that, they vote blue. Because when they move to your town, they think that they're conservative, but they're bringing in California values. Then they raise their kids, and their kids also lived in California, so they've got that as well, and they're also going to vote blue. That's what's coming to your town. You can't wall off California until you guys vote us out. And that, that's a really great question, or a great point as well. And um, another question I have here, again, with regards to the conservatives that remain, or even those, you know, there's a, we know the tax rate in California is very high. And one of the chief complaints is uh, the feeling that they have no representation with the, uh, coincidentally, they're funding the government 68 cents on every dollar they give, they get back. How are the people that are being taxed to death in California going to see any relief from this? Or do we not care at that point? Because when I lived in California, I was getting taxed into oblivion, but not getting anything for my value. It was all going for the people that the politicians of California felt were more worthy of my income than I myself was the one who earned it. Yeah, no, this is something that we are, are trying to change. That's why we want to do this, because we feel like the one-party rule in California is not serving the people because they have no reason to. There's no incentive to. They are going to win their election, and they're going to win their election no matter what they do. So they have no incentive to change it. Yep. That's what we want to do is step in and let's change this system. Let's do what's best for Californians as well. So here's the thing, though. If you, if you would secede, all of a sudden that tax burden to the federal government is gone and that money is freed up in California. California can do with it as they see fit, but I want to get back. I told Dan and I may, I want to make sure we get to Dan before the show's over uh, because we were talking about the more conservative areas of the state and the, the, there was a movement uh, tr to start a state of Jefferson, which I believe is the northern part of the, uh, the state of California. And I believe they uh, they lean more towards the the uh, conservative side of the uh, of the aisle. So how would this? I mean, so we have how does it similar to the, uh, the state of Jefferson? Uh, is Dan's question? And uh, if you guys would go as one state, uh, it, you know, how is the, how are they going to be addressed in 
the state of California is they now feel that they aren't being addressed. So maybe there's two questions there. Um, it's similar. I'm not sure how it would be similar to the state of Jefferson. The state of Jefferson, from what I understand, is they want to carve out Southern Oregon and Northern, Northern California into a separate 51st state. What we want to do is take the entire state of California and secede and be an independent country. And then as a, as a follow-up to that, would an independent California, Andrew asks, further balkanize along the east-west split? See, I'm, I, I am all for decentralization. California is so hugely populated. Once they do split up, you're going to see on a smaller scale exactly the problem that we have with California and the federal government. So do you think, um, assuming... Well, let me let me ask you that first, and then I'll get to my next question about the California government as it exists today. So, do you do you uh, see possibly further decentralization, balkanization along the, you know, we have the the West Coast, which we know is very progressive, and then we have the inland, more conservative agrarian areas. Even in the more um, conservative areas, you're seeing these areas are also going blue in the elections. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, congressmen that are that for a very, very long time had been a GOP stronghold that have now gone blue and stayed blue. Um, no, I think that it's, it's something that once we have our own country, a lot will have to change. We are going to have to figure out what kind of government we really want, because I don't think that we're going to stick with the same system that we have now. So do you feel California- the same- that's that's kind of an answer to the question I was just going to ask you. Do you feel that the current system of government you have in California would be uh, an appropriate one to run with once this uh, happened? I don't. I think if we know one thing is about Californians is that we are very innovative. I think that we will come up with something new, something never tried before, uh, a different kind of experiment to, to run with. Do you think California would con- would be a, a pleasant? What would let me ask you this? What would your advice be to the staunch conservatives that stay behind once California leaves? Um, are they going to how how would they be treated there? Or would you just say you know you'd probably be happier leaving? You know, I think what we would want to do in California is to try to squash the divide and try to work together in California. I remember growing up when things weren't so divided here and in the rest of America, and you had conservatives working hand in hand with people that considered themselves very liberal. You know, and, and here's how I think this probably could work out. And you know what, if it did work out, I'd go back. But I'm, I'm not very, I'm, I'm, I'm not very optimistic. But one of, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. So here's my thought. And I've, I've talked about this numerous times on Facebook and posts and stuff. The fact of the matter is that even in some of our states, uh, we're balkanized. I live in Pennsylvania. Uh, the center of the state in the northern, north central Pennsylvania is completely different than Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Harrisburg. The, the metropolitan areas have no values that are really very much my values. So I would love to see north, northern part of Pennsylvania secede and create its own society. And we have 
all kinds of natural gas. We have tons and tons of natural gas centers. We have an economic power that is being squashed by Harrisburg because of their greed. They want to tax it so badly. Now they everyone's left. They're not drilling anymore because it's just not economically feasible. All along, my plan is if we would ever secede, and I hopefully this is kind of your thought too, I'm looking for a system where uh, I don't want any executives. I don't want any legislators because then I have, I'm, I'm electing people to be my little kings and prince and princesses and queens. I'm not, I don't want a ruler. I, uh, I'm an anarchist, no ruler. I don't want somebody telling me how to live my life. That's what we have now. We have a bunch of little, we have 400 or 545 rulers plus a elected king and his assistant king. And we have nine justices wearing their robes telling us how to live our lives. There are all our rulers, and some of them aren't even elected. In California, are you looking for some sort of system where if you would go this way, that you don't have people ruling, telling people how to live their lives? I mean, because that's what I would hope. I mean, that's well, what no, I want. That was what I was working towards, because when we talk, you know, Marcus and I got along great. We all had a fantastic time uh, over in Dallas. But when you start talking about politics, particular particularly on uh, across social media platforms you know you have that feeling of anonymity like you do you know incidents of road rage people don't treat each other with the decorum and courtesy that they that they should as they do when they're together most of the time but what really brings us apart and gets the nastiness going is when we have a form of government that suppresses the right of others. And this ties into the question that Andrew brought up. How would, Cal how, how would beg your pardon, California balance personal liberty versus state interest? California has done a phenomenal job thumbing their nose at the feds when it comes to, for instance, marijuana laws. Not only feds are we going to say, screw you and your Controlled Substances Act, we're going to have medical marijuana, Prop 215. Oh, and we're going to one-up that, and it's entirely legal. So again, that is a form of nullification. They've been very successful. and But what they've done here was have more liberty. Unfortunately, yes, it's not decriminalized where the state's not involved at all. But when you have the government getting involved and in, in, the minutia of our everyday life. And we have differences of opinions on how our lives should be uh, regulated. If there was massive deregulation in California with regards to personal liberties, I think that would go a long way in bringing the people within the state together and making it a better place to live. Do you think that would be on the table? Yeah, I think that's. Um... California, like you said, we we value personal liberty. I think we look at it a little bit differently than the conservatives do. What we consider personal liberty and what you consider personal liberty are, are maybe not the same. Give an example. Um, mask, for example. So a lot of people in the um, American states, I think, look at the uh, the mask as as the government taking away your personal liberty. Californians, we view it the opposite. So you seem, I, it seems to me like um, Californians would think that the state making decisions for you in your own best interest ensures your liberty. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I can see that point of view. I 
disagree with it. I'd probably be more amenable to the mask issue if there was some scientific data backing it up. But again, even with the vaccination issue, you know, we see we see uh, differences of, of scientific support on, you know, either side. But regardless, you know, I think California's idea and the, the left ideology of what personal liberty is, is more of an interest government has in keeping people safe. So, I mean, it's just a difference of opinion, which is, again, more of a reason why people should be able to stop. This is why, again, stop running to the federal judiciary to demand these top-down decisions from Washington, D.C. for local matters. And I think secession is the only logical, it is the natural outcome of an egregiously overreaching federal government. And one of the reasons that people were saying, well, in this this article, or I'm sorry, this post that I asked people about the lesser of two evils was, look, Donald Trump getting elected again is going to provide further impetus for peaceful political divorce. And if you can't come up with any other moral reason to elect him, that would be it. Now, how cool would it be if you guys in California were able to get his air and say, hey, Donald, tell you what, wouldn't it be cool if California's electoral college votes went to you and you didn't get in our way of seceding? You didn't go Abraham Lincoln on us. You actually called for calmness and to not impose violence upon us for doing what we have a God-given natural right to do. Would California's votes go to him? No, but boy, what a fantasy that would be in the interest of secession. <laughs> and say, look at what we did, because because California can make or break presidency, as we know, correct? Yeah, I agree. And the other thing is, one of, uh, I think, one of the issues in, in California is the people feeling like they're not being afforded, as we mentioned, uh, a return on the high taxes they get. I know universal basic income has been discussed in California, and uh, a gal named Giselle in San Francisco, and I had talked about this before. She's a big proponent uh, working with Andrew Yang on that. Now, here's something really cool. One of the sources of this universal basic income Giselle uh, mentioned was all the wealthy people in the tech industry in California who coincidentally happened to be, by and large, hardcore left. There's That's irrefutable. So California no longer has to send all this money to the federal government to, you know, in, in their opinion, fund the pet projects of all the other states and problems of all the other states. They can keep this money in the own states. Do you think the tech giants would step up and, and provide that universal basic income? Or are they going to continue to tax the rank and file to death? They will probably try to keep doing whatever they're doing. It's all about profits, right? That's what they want. Well, and this is well, why, yeah, hopefully, okay. uh, again, if this works, California can have a complete reformation of their government, maybe one more uh, liberty minded. I don't see it as being a limited form of government, but I, I wish you all, I wish you all luck because even if uh, California is the first to go, I will, um, I will say that I hope it paves the way for others, and I hope that California's uh, secession movement, exit movement, would also be equally supporting uh, for states wanting to leave because they have different values but the same desire to run their run their own affairs. Before I close out, tell uh, people how they can follow you, where they can. I uh, think you have an event coming up, and how they can support your endeavors, Joe. Yes, thank you, and Suzanne, thank you for having me on. 
delightful. So you guys, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, all of our social media is the same. It's the it's CA Liberation Pack. And our website is currently down, but we are working on getting that up as soon as possible. And that will be caliberation.org. We've got an event coming up. It's called the West Coast Secession Summit 2020. We've got people from three different Cal Exit organizations, as well as people from Cascadia. We've got that's Seattle to San Diego sitting down talking about secession the night before the election. We've got new events coming up that we've got in the, in the works and art contests that we're gonna be doing for not only Californians, but uh, the rest of American as well. And we've got a video coming out next week and ads that should be coming out uh, right after that. So we're really excited. Joe Payne. Yeah, and so anyway, folks, Reed Davis, and uh, let me see if I can grab it here. Oh, here we go. Another great book to read. Uh, you mentioned it, Rethinking the American Union for the 21st Century. An excellent, excellent book on decentralizing. That There's is all kinds of website. great stuff. That is also on SuzanneCSherman.com suggested reading. When you order it through my Amazon affiliate, it does help us out. So Joe Payne, I want to thank you for joining us. And I'm going to close this out for everybody that thinks that parting ways politically is just absolute craziness. I'm going to share these words with you and then we'll see if the, this resonates or rings a bell. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Wise words, ladies and gentlemen. Let's heed them. Let's find peace. Let's get along. I'm Suzanne Sherman. On behalf of myself, Jeff Johnson, and our guest, Joe Payne, I want to thank you for joining us on the Wasatch Report today. <laughs>